Well, if your house was burning, what would you grab on your way out the door? That question intrigued photographer Foster Huntington, so he gathered his must-save belongings and he took a picture. Then he asked a few friends about that question and to photograph their must-save belongings. This burning house question raised an issue that people wanted to both answer and to talk about. So in 2011, Huntington launched a website with photos of personal items that people would grab on their way out of the door during a fire. Within a year, Huntington received thousands of photos from people all over the world that captured people's answer to this burning house question. Here are a few of the items people said they would grab on their way out the door if their house was on fire. Here we go. One husband, one son, and three cats. So more cats than other humans. The film, The Princess Bride on Blu-ray. You could probably replace that. I don't know. My daughter, everything else can be replaced. A few packs of favorite green tea in case I'm thirsty. Favorite earrings I wore to my wedding. Ring I got from my dad when I was 12. My grandfather's Bible. Ernest Hemingway's selected letters. How about iPhone? Your iPhone, grab that. Uh, Wallet, purse, important to get. Very old teddy bear of my childhood. And finally, flip-flops, a bikini, and a skirt. Because if my house burns down, I'm going to the beach. (laughs) Huntington says that this project has taught him a valuable lesson about material possessions. The question forces people to think about what they want versus what they need. What do you really need in your life? What can you be content with in your life? What are the most important things in your world? Two Sundays ago, we read uh, what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6. He said we need to lay up treasure in heaven, not on earth, where it can be destroyed or lost in something like a house fire. Last Sunday, we studied again in Matthew 6 where we said we need to seek God first in everything we do. We need not to worry about the stuff of this world because God provides. And when we put God first, we know that God um, loves us first through Christ's sacrifice and that he will provide for us what we need. Well, today we're going to look at what it means to be content in different kinds of circumstances, whatever circumstances you are in your life. Not out of a sense that you've got all the stuff that you need, not that kind of contentment, Did you ever ask your dad um, what he wanted for Christmas? And dad might say, oh, I don't need anything. I've I've got everything I need. So you might get him a tie or a a sweater. Well, it's kind of like that contentment, but even more than that. Um, With God, it's so much more. It's joy, not just happiness. It's peace when not everything is peaceful around you. It's learning to be content whether rich or poor, whether hungry or full at this season of life. God can help us get there too um, as we read today in the scripture that Paul tells us in uh, Philippians chapter 4. And so before we turn there, let's pray and ask God's blessing upon this scripture. Almighty God, open our hearts and our minds uh, to read the scripture, to understand it, Um, to apply it to our lives, and then to go out and live it, even today and this week. In Jesus' name, amen. This is God's word from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, this short book, the end end chapter. 
verses 10 through 19. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for more what may be credited to you, your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So, if we put God first out of gratitude for what he has done, then we can put Jesus first in each of our lives. We can put ourselves second. We can put others second and ourselves last as we put God first. We can be content in knowing and trusting that God will provide for our needs, whatever they are. And we can be content knowing and committing to God what I have, knowing that God will provide what we need even in the future. Well, let's look at some more of the specifics of this short passage out of Philippians 4. Paul is writing to the Christian church here in Philippi, and he infuses this short book with the word joy and rejoice over and over again. And we might think, well, of course, you know, Paul's going to be joyful. You know, he's walking in God's will. You know, he's preaching the gospel around the Mediterranean. Of course, he's joyful. But what we find out is when we look where he wrote the letter from, he was in jail in Rome. And so he has joy even writing from jail to these people that he loves. He shares that he is grateful that the church has renewed concern for him in his life. And it's always good for us, too, to know that someone cares for us and has concern for our lives. He goes on to say that he's learned to be content whatever the circumstances are in his life. Now, I'm not sure what it sounds like in Greek, but I think in English it sounds really inspiring when we look at uh, verses 12 and 13. So I'd like like to read those again. Here's what Paul says. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So Paul says he has really a secret of being content that he wants to share with the people at Philippi. It's not that he's superhuman to solve his own problems. It's not that life is always rosy. We know from reading about Paul that he's right now he's in jail There's times where he gets beat up. At one point, he's shipwrecked. He's kicked out of different towns, and he's poor a lot of the times of his ministry. Yet he is content through Christ who gives him strength. He can bear up under any situation because God's power, not his own power, but God's power is sufficient 
to do God's will in the face of challenges. You know, the challenges that Paul faces, and then God's power is, is sufficient for us in our challenges so we can be content in him as well. Well, are we content? And as I said before, it's more than happy. Um, you know, I can be happy if I go to a really good movie and eat that popcorn with the butter on it. That makes me happy. I like that a lot. I can be happy when my kids um, win their games because they enjoy sports. But, but what about when your kids lose the game and it doesn't go well? What about when you lose in life when things don't go well? What about the normal, everyday, boring days that we sometimes go through? Can we be content in those situations as well? Well, when we put first things first, we've been talking about this this month of November. When we put first things first, God first, and God's kingdom first, when we choose to do that, when we seek his will above other things, then those other things of life seem to fall into place because we have put first things first. We've put God first. Pastor and author Francis Chan shared at a conference I was at just a week ago Friday that he had some frustration in his church, his previous church he was at in Southern California. And his church was growing really fast. It was a booming church. And as he, as he was in that church, he looked around and he saw a lot of wealthy people, frankly, coming to his church. And he said he was frustrated that he saw he, it didn't seem that Jesus or their faith was making a difference um, in the way that they lived their lives. He wanted them to know what he knew, that you could have contentment in Christ and not in wealth. And he still saw some of them not understanding that. So he even prayed that if he couldn't help them, that God would make him rich so that he could show them. Well, about that time, he wrote a book. And he wanted to get some of his thoughts out on paper um, to tell others, things that he just wanted to share from his heart. So he wrote a book, and it was published. It was a book called Crazy Love. Well, soon the book was very successful, and the publisher came to Francis and said, your book is really selling. You might make as much as a million dollars off the sales of this book. So he and his wife started thinking very quickly about the things maybe they would want to do with the money. But then also, very quickly, they said some of those thoughts were ungodly. And so they decided almost immediately to set up a trust so that all the proceeds, all the profits from this book that he had written would go into this charitable trust, which would go to missions they would support, which they could never touch for their own use. And so they set up this trust. And over the last uh, approximately five years or so, the book Crazy Love made $5 million. So Francis Chan, in his situation, chose not to be rich, but be content with what he had and to give away his opportunity to be wealthy. Now, this was his decision in his case. How will each of us be content in our circumstances, in our seasons of life, where we are? We might think as Christians, you know, I give a lot of my time and talent. You know, I give some of my treasure. But on the other hand, I've got to protect it. I've got to save it. I've got to use it. I've got to use it for good things. So I've got to be careful about how I give and, and use my money. But God, God desires us to be content in him, to seek him first in everything, even and maybe leading with how we make financial decisions and how we use our money in our own lives. God knows that the love of money can move us away from him. And Christian financial author and teacher Howard Dayton says this about money. He says, Jesus talked a great deal about money. In fact, 
16 of the 38 parables that Jesus told were concerned with how to handle money and possessions, 16 of 38. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 verses in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 on faith, and more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Jesus says in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So in seeking God first, truly, we are just stewards of the things, of the gifts he's brought us. Now, some of those things may be from the hard work that we've done, of good things that we have done, of the jobs that we have done. And yet we are stewards when we see it in the right way, when we see God first. We're stewards of the good things that he has brought to our attention that we might use those for his honor and his glory. I mentioned that I went to this conference last week and I learned a lot there. And as Francis Chan spoke that day, he quoted Randy Alcorn, who's another pastor and preacher, who made this analogy, which was very helpful for me, about how to handle your money and your possessions. He said that imagine that you are a delivery driver for, say, let's say UPS or FedEx, which is an incredibly busy time of the year for them. But you go in the morning and you get a load of boxes loaded into the back of your truck, and they, there's all kinds of boxes. Now, what you don't do is you don't drive home to your family and say, hey, family, let's get these boxes and let's open them up. Let's see what kind of things we can get out of these boxes for us. He said, no, you're merely the steward of those things until they find their use, maybe through you, to someone else or to someplace else. And so as we do that, God loads us up with some great gifts, some big, some small, all different kinds. And we have God's Holy Spirit to be like our GPS who can help guide us where our money and our things are supposed to go and how they're supposed to use, how we can pass them on to um, others. And we have our gifts, and our gifts include our relationships, you know, our friendships, includes our homes, our cars, our stuff. It also includes our abilities, the things that you're good at. It includes your spiritual gifts that God has given you to serve him and others. Now, we have those gifts longer than a day. We don't just have to unload the truck every day, but we can find contentment in knowing that God has called us to share those gifts that we have with others. And when we do that, then they don't bring us affirmation. They bring honor and glory to God because we're sharing them. And we also believe that God replenishes our truck when we're empty if we go to him and ask him. He says that he will provide for our needs in our time of needs. So Paul says this in Philippians 4:19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God will meet your needs, Paul promises. And this is after the church in Philippi gave. He says God will continue to meet your needs after you give too. God is the great provider giving us what we need in his timing. So Paul here tells us to be content with what God has provided or the abilities we have even to make it, and that we also need to understand two more things right here at the end of this passage. First, your gifts can be pleasing to God. That's in Philippians 4.18. Your gifts can be pleasing to God. And second, God will meet all your needs. And that's in Philippians 4.19. Paul says this very specifically. 
about the gifts of the church at Philippi to him and to his work. He says, they are a fragrant offering. They're an acceptable sacrifice. They are pleasing to God. So what kind of gifts were those? What kind of gifts got that kind of response? Paul says that they sent aid to him again and again. So it was a persevering gift. It was a a gift that kept on giving in a sense, that they gave fully and faithfully to ministry. You know, don't we want our gifts um, to sound like that? You know, to be a fragrant offering, to be pleasing to God, to be acceptable. That's the kind of things I want my gifts to be, and I bet you do as well. What happens then when we give those kind of gifts? Paul says this, which we read again, my God will meet all your needs uh, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God is rich. God is rich in the glory of Christ Jesus. He is rich in things that matter more than money, and he promises to take care of your needs, maybe even through money, in his way and in his timing with you at work with him as you are content in him and lean on him that you can do all things through his strength and not your own. Well, we've seen in my family um, uh, that we feel rich in relationships, that God has blessed us in relationships. One of the ways that we feel this is about two and a half years ago, um, Claire, through some time of prayer, felt that um, God was putting on on her heart to reach out to widows and widowers in our lives, and as we read in the New Testament. And if I was the one I, who had first read that or sensed that, I might have said, well, that's a, that's a nice sentiment. You know, that's a nice um, thing in the New Testament. But Claire really wanted us to pray about it and think about it, and we did. And we found um, that it wasn't as hard as we thought because in our kids' school, there were some widows and widowers um, that came to our attention. One was a family, a dad raising two young boys. And so we started to invite them over for dinners, and they came. We had the boys over to play and spend the night at our house to give the dad a break on weekends or a late night when he had to work. And we just spent time talking to him about parenting issues so he had someone else to share ideas with and to encourage him. There's also a mom at our kids' school that has three daughters in school that lost her husband in an accident several years before. And Claire had felt God putting on her heart to reach out and to become friends with her and to do some simple things like sharing um, a dinner with her, a dinner that she could take home after school with her daughters, inviting their, their family to come over on some Sundays um, to have lunch and watch a Colts game, uh, praying for her and helping to give the girls a ride when they needed an extra ride because she was trying to be both mom and dad. These are small ways that we have found in our family that um, God has led us to use some of our abilities and talents. And Claire and I try not to take it for granted um, that we have each other in our family in an parenting role, and others aren't so blessed in that way at this season of life. And so maybe for you, um, as you heard from Jay, as he shared what he and Beth and his girls do this morning, or as you've heard this month how people share of their time, talents, and treasures, it's maybe encouraged or inspired you in your way to do something different. Maybe this morning you're sensing that there's an elderly neighbor that needs you to just um, offer to sit down and have coffee or to help around their house. Maybe it's someone to help go to the grocery store. Maybe it's it's a friend who's lost their spouse. They need an invite to join your family for Thanksgiving. Or it's maybe it's someone that you wanna go to the movies with that just needs someone to love on them and care for them. 
For us, there's been very little cost for this. You know, it's maybe a little extra cost in food or the time and relationships, but we feel the ones that are getting blessed by the increased relationships that they have brought to us. So the church in Philippi was faithful in giving, and they are blessed as they're faithful in giving, as Claire and I feel blessed as well. And they provided for Paul and his ministry in the early days by giving, and then they provide again, Paul says here in Philippians 4, with the gift that he thanks them for now. So as a church, may we be that kind of church, like the church at Philippi, that's faithful in giving, a church that is good stewards with God's gifts, and that may God use those gifts to bless others as we have first been blessed, that they don't just stay here, but they go out to bless others as well. I heard last week this challenge, be invested, not just interested. Be invested, not just interested. As part of the ZPC family, we ask you, and I asked you last week, to commit part of your resources and your abilities to ministry at ZPC, to be invested at ZPC, as so many of you already are, but to be invested for 2014, not just interested here at ZPC. We are called to be followers of Jesus, not just fans of Jesus. We are called to be sold out, to seek God first in the things that we do, not to just be admirers of what God is doing. So, God blessed us first. God loved us first. God sought us first. And in response, we are called to love God back. We are called to seek God first. And we are called to bless others with our blessings, being content, knowing that God provides for our needs when we need them. Over these weeks, we've said that this would be a Sunday where you could bring your commitment cards. And I shared last week that about 90 now, and maybe even close to 100 of you have already turned in those cards over the last couple of weeks. And so we thank you for your commitment already. Some of the others of you have brought those cards today. And as the worship team comes and plays, I'm going to invite you to um, bring your cards as the music plays and to place them in the baskets here as part of a physical act of worship that you're bringing your commitment to God and to the church and to put them in these baskets that are here um, in these four locations. If you've already turned in a card, as some of you have, you can take one of the beads that are in front of the baskets and place that in the basket as part of your act of worship that you are committed to God for the year ahead. So as the worship team plays, you may uh, come as you are ready to come.